Hello, everybody, and welcome to the California Consulting Podcast, where we highlight the impactful work of California's leading grant writing firm. Since 2004, we've expertly navigated federal, state, and private foundation grants, securing over $1.6 billion through over 1,500 successful applications. Our team's 200-plus years of combined experience has benefited communities from San Diego County all the way to the Oregon border, enriching both flourishing and developing areas. Join us as we dive into our latest achievements and the diverse impact of our work across California. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is our first episode of our California Consulting Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, My name is Sam D'Ambrosio. I'm a management assistant for California Consulting. I'm here joined by Karen Leventhal, a grant writer for California Consulting. Karen, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Karen Leventhal. And like Sammy said, I'm a project manager slash grant writer with California Consulting, and I'm happy to be here. Cool. Uh, Karen, first off, congrats on securing such a substantial grant for the city of Pittsburgh. Can you start off by giving our listeners a little uh, interview of the USDA Urban and Community Forestry Grant? Yeah, sure. So we were lucky enough to receive, I think it was $2 million from the USDA Urban and Community Forestry Grant. So it's a really interesting grant. um, And the basic goal of that grant is to help communities develop a more robust urban forest. So what is an urban forest? (laughs) It's an important question. I mean, an urban forest is basically the collection of trees that you have around your city. So, you know, another question that might come to your mind is, well, why do cities need an urban forest? Um, And your trees are really important to the life of of a city. They um, help mitigate a lot of issues that are connected with climate change. Um, So for instance, they keep heat from building up from all the kind of pavement and concrete that are typically in cities. Um, So one, it's, it's, you know, um, certainly keeps people safer if there's less heat and there's less chance of uh, sort of heat, heat events, heat stroke, that sort of thing. Um, Trees also prevent erosion. So they're good at preventing flooding. Um, And then I think in general, tree canopies are important for people's mental health. Um, and I can tell a story about that later on, but the the way the grant was looking at this, the way the USDA was looking at this is, one, how do we help cities develop better tree canopies, more, you know, that are thriving, um, but also what, you know, what does it mean to maintain it? Um, because it, as a city, you have to have the knowledge, you have to have the systems in place, you have to have, you know, kind of expert staff who know how to select the right trees, who know how to maintain the trees, or else, you know, the, they're, they're going to fail and you're going to be right back where you started. So, you know, if, if, for instance, as a city, you're not selecting trees that are most suitable, like for your climate or for the diseases that are present in the area, you know, diseases. So if you select trees that aren't um, resilient, then, you know, it, it's, it's, you didn't, you didn't do the job that you wanted to do. So this grant is really about looking at urban forestry from a lot of different angles, but um, giving cities the, the tools and the capacity they need to um, expand their urban forests and keep it really healthy and strong for the long term. So yeah, so that's that's the USDA Urban and Community Forestry Grant. 
That's very, very interesting. I know there's uh, so many grants out there that help mitigate climate change, you know, the heat. It's uh, becoming a real problem in, in our country. So that's that's really great that the USDA and I know multiple um, federal agencies are putting out grants to help mitigate these harmful changes. So thank you for that, Karen. Um, I want to ask you, what inspired you to write this grant for the city of Pittsburgh in particular? Yeah, I mean, so at California Consulting, we definitely have clients that we work with all the time. So it's, it's, um, it is up to the choice of the, the client whether they want the grant written or not. But I can tell you what ins inspired me about doing it. Um, so my background is in community development. I got a master's in community development from uh, University of California at Davis. And it's it's kind of, community development is, there's not that many programs out there. Um, I guess it's really kind of a, a degree for hippies, but <laughs> hippies <laughs> and urban planners, um, which I guess just describes me a little bit, both, both parts of that. Um, so just, I'm generally very interested in the ways that communities work and the ways that cities work and how do you, um, take care of all the systems that are needed to, to make a community thrive. So in general, that's that's my my interest. Um, I also have, I have a personal background in sustainability. In one of my previous incarnations in this life, I was a, a, I founded a tech startup company called United.Green. And United.Green was, um, it's an e-commerce site, it's an e-marketplace, electronic marketplace that was designed to help businesses um, trade wholesale goods, so buy and sell wholesale goods that were more um, sustainable, that were greener, that were more um, ethically produced. So I have a lot of interest in, you know, just sustainability in general and how we move towards a more sustainable lifestyle and a sustainable world. But even like personally, I have, I have <laughs> a personal story when I was finishing up my graduate degree at UC Davis and I decided to move to Los Angeles and I had never lived in a city as large as Los Angeles. So I was certainly intimidated um, a little bit, but I just had never lived in a place with that much concrete. And so I was going on Craigslist, which is kind of where you found apartments at the time. And I would like talk to people, <laughs> I would talk to people who were like, wanted to sublet their apartments or, um, and I would ask them, well, I just, you know, do you have, like, is there like a tree? Is there like a really nice tree, like in front of the apartment? Because I just really want to look out at a tree. <laughs> and I kept asking people this question. And I think they thought I was a little bit crazy. They're like, it's it's Los Angeles. And I was like, but I really needed a tree to, I don't know, like I just, to maintain my mental health. I just, I just, to, to not be able to look at a tree was really important to me. And so I would pick places that, I just felt like there was at least a nice view of some tree. So I do think that having, um, you know, having an urban forest is important for people's mental health. I mean, and I think there's been studies that have shown that when there is a lack of, of trees, a lack of um, nature, like there's more crime, people are more stressed. So it's definitely something that I understand like on a personal level. Uh, so those are like a lot of the things that inspired me about kind of working on this grant with the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate that and all you do for sustainability. Uh, that's interesting about your United Green Company. I would definitely use that. I know our, our younger generations of people are, are very into making sure all their products are coming from ethically sourced places, uh, carbon neutral, um, just to help you know our planet and us live a little bit longer. 
So uh, just a question, where are you from, Karen? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally, which is where I'm living right now, but I spent most of my adult life in California, um, went to grad school at, at Davis, and then lived for 14 years in Los Angeles and did a couple of, of tours of duty in Texas. So I lived for three years in Dallas, and that was my first um, place out of college, and I joined the Domestic Peace Corps which is AmeriCorps. I was an AmeriCorps VISTA member. Uh, and then I went back to Texas a second time and was living in Austin um, because it's a good place to try to do a tech company. And it's actually just a super fun place to live if you like music, live music, and I do. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Texas. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. And like you said, I'm from, a, I'm from a place that's in the suburbs of Los Angeles that's, you know, very tree, mountain-filled. And then I recently moved to downtown LA where, like you said, concrete jungle. Um, but thankfully I have a park nearby where I live so I can have some of that peace. But I heard Texas is pretty nice. So yes, check that out one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lived downtown. That was my last place that I lived in LA and I, I loved it. But I mean, this is a true story that I I felt like I couldn't, not only was I having a hard time paying downtown rents, but I just actually felt like my body I just kind of felt like uncomfortable with the lack of nature. Like my body was like screaming to have some kind of nature around me, even though I love the hustle and bustle of downtown. So, and that was definitely one of the reasons why I moved back home uh, um, to Cleveland. Uh, the good thing about this area of the country is I, I can walk two blocks and there's like a, um, uh, it's like an hour and a half loop trail in a forest. Um, so it's, there's definitely more access to that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh, I just took a trip from L.A. to the Bay Area. First time I've been out out of the two mile radius of my downtown location in a minute. And it, it was so different because there's so many hills and mountains up there. But um, I actually went to the city of Pittsburgh, actually. And I was like, oh, I, I know exactly what's going on in the city of Pittsburgh. Karen L. just got a huge grant for them to make all these new changes in their city. and and bring upon some some good consequences back to their city. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so thank you for all that information. I wanna ask another question about this, this grant, a little bit more about the USDA Urban Community Forestry Grant. So given the fast, vast range of funding amounts, I know it says 100,000 to uh, $50 million in award funding. How did you guys get the $2 million figure for the city? Yeah, I, mean, I think the funding question is really important because this is, you know, this is what this is about. And the money is a catalyst to make changes. So for me, the amount of funding is usually one of the last things in a grant that we typically finalize. Um, because what gets you the money is really that you have a smart strategic plan that's ready to go and that you have the capacity to do it right now. Um, so, you know, it, in this case, if we if the city of Pittsburgh had asked for $10 million, um, it wouldn't have worked because the key argument that we made in the proposal is that they didn't have, they didn't currently have the management capacity to solve their urban canopy problems. So if they had asked for all this money, how you know it kind of wouldn't have been able to go to good use because they just were lacking in capacity to to put it to good use. So um the money that we asked for was kind of connected to the problem that we 
identified and the solution that we identified. And that kind of dictated, well, what was the, what was the amount that we asked for? Um, I did want to say a little bit something about funding because I, I worked in nonprofit for several years. I spent a lot of years in kind of government run higher education, but actually what really shaped my view on, on fundraising is trying to raise money from private investors for my tech company. And I, I wasn't really good at it, <laughs> um, but I am really good at raising public funds. But what I learned in the process of trying to raise from private investors really helped me. So when you go to raise from a private, like an angel investor or a venture capitalist, what they train you on, if you have a startup company is investors want a 10X return. And a 10X return means if they give you $100, they want you to give them $1,000 back. Um, so typically what they wanna see is like, a, it's called like an exponential return. So if I have a business and I my business currently makes $1,000 in revenue and this investor comes along, what they wanna know is if I give you $500, I don't want you to make $2,000 in revenue, I want you to make $10,000 in revenue. So it means that they want to see that this money invested is, is gonna have this much bigger kind of exponential effect than, you know, um, than just, I don't know, a, a small amount of growth. And, you know, I, I don't think that we don't, in this industry, don't usually think about, uh, we don't think about the money in that way because the government is not expecting a financial return. Um, but they are, they are, they are an investor. And I do think about them as an investor and they are expecting a social return. So when, when, I think about writing and when we talk about the project, I really try to think about how can we talk about how this project is gonna give an exponential return. So this is gonna be the best use of money that they can they can, they can can give. Um, and it was really easy to do in the city of Pittsburgh's case because they had this very specific problem about capacity. So, and we found a really good story to, to show that. And the story is that the city has 74,000 trees to monitor and they have no electronic system for monitoring those trees. So can you imagine like that you have 74,000 trees that you're responsible for? How do you know if one's, you know, needs some you know, help as a sick what, or if one's been removed or um, if you have to really, how can you do your job if you have to go through 74,000, you know, ex entries on an Excel sheet or 74,000 pieces of paper? You know, you, you can't, you can't move forward as a city until you can solve this problem of knowing what's going on with your tree, you know, your tree canopy. Um, and I just, I'll go back to the business analogy because that's typically like a really good business investment that if a company goes to an investor and they say, look, my business makes 20 widgets every hour, but if you give me this money to buy a machine, I can make 200 widgets an hour. And that way I can, you know, have this exponential investment. And that's kind of a lot, kind of what we did in this grant proposal, which is investing a lot in kind of electronic software so that the city can really get a handle on what's going on in their tree canopy, like what trees do they have? Where do they have them? What is the health of each tree? Um, so that's really was an exponential return from them because they went from probably not being able to manage many trees at all. I mean, honestly, like you know, a couple hundred, a couple thousand to now being able to manage 74,000 trees. So that's really kind of the story that I like to tell when we were able to tell that story with this particular grant. So um, yeah, that's some, some thoughts about, about choosing your dollar amount and, and telling the story about it. 
Yeah, that's that's very that's very uh, good information for some of our listeners. But seventy four thousand trees, yeah, I could not imagine having to keep track of every single one of that. So that's that's pretty cool. So all the two million dollars is being spent towards that system, or is some of it towards the system to manage the trees, and some of it is for implementation of trees? Yes, both. So there's a lot of different pieces. Um, but I I think certainly a good chunk of it was is about kind of getting that capacity and putting those systems in place. But then there's other parts which are about other building other systems capacity. So one is just planting more trees. Um, the other is training staff. So they're, they have more, um, you know, expert knowledge. Um, but yes, that, that something was a big piece, but not the only piece. Okay. Good to know. Um, yeah, I know. I know budgets are so uh, finicky for grants because it's some people get confused. They see the dollar amount and they're like, "Oh, between a hundred thousand and fifty million. Why don't we go for as much money as possible?" It's like, uh, it's not really how grants work. So, you telling our our listeners a little bit more about why that specific dollar amount was chosen is is pretty important. Um, so you guys had to put together a budget worksheet, correct, and all that, all yes. that stuff. Yes. Uh, so how how difficult would you say it is to put together this budget worksheet? Typically, it's it's something that um, I ask kind of the client to do as a first draft, just because I don't know they have really have a more have more of a handle on okay, well, how much staff time is this really going to take? And they typically done the research because they knew what their problem was ahead of time. So they did the research. Okay, how much is this tree software going to cost us? Um, so my job, after they kind of take a first draft of it, and I look at it um, to make sure it matches up with the deliverables that we said were going to happen in the grant. So that's, you know, so if, if we said we're going to do X, Y, and Z, then the budget has to has to match up with that. Um, and I look for any things that they might have like overlooked on first glance, just seems like, like there's, you know, this is something that we said we were going to do, but there's not really any money allocated for it in the grant. And if there's, and that might be perfectly fine. So it might be that they're going to kind of give staff time to work on this grant, but they're not going to ask for money for it. But those are the things that kind of need to be explained somewhere, usually in the budget justification is that it just needs to all make sense about why you've asked for what you're asking and kind of why it's a good use of funds. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's it's also good to know that, you know, you don't just hop upon a grant opportunity and say, hey, let's apply for this. This looks like it could, it, it's a good opportunity. So the city of Pittsburgh, they've been thinking about how they're going to manage their trees for a while. And then they saw this opportunity and were like, oh, that's going to fit us well. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, typically it's it's that the people who work in the city, they're they're doing the work in the trenches and they're facing whatever like daily frustrations are happening about, you know, not being able to know what's going on as much as they want to. And so um, those are, you know, whether in the front of their mind or the back of their mind, then I think when someone like us, like California Consulting comes along and you know, shows them these grant opportunities and that that kind of, I don't know, that frustration that they were experiencing or like a wish that it could be different is just, that's what comes to the top of their, their mind. And then um, 
like usually they people have like a pretty good idea, but we often like we'll talk through it and um kind of flesh it out more. But that's usually mm -hmm. how I've seen it work. Okay. That's that's really great to know. Um Okay, so how do you see this grant impacting the landscape and community of Pittsburgh in the next, let's say, five to 10 years? So, you know, again, one of the things about grant writing is that there's, um, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's about a long-term investment. So the, the idea that once now Pittsburgh has this software, they're really going to be able to kind of better manage this portfolio of trees they have for decades. And they're going to know, you know, which trees need to be replaced. And they're going to know which trees are the most resilient in, you know, in their climate and in their city. They're also going to know which areas of the city have more tree covers than, than tree cover than others. So which of the areas of the city that kind of need more trees and more help, they're going to know which trees are, um, so they can, even in this software, they can do things like uh, calculate the carbon emissions of of or the carbon the carbon the carbon sequestration so how much you know so trees are kind of carbon stores and they're taking in carbon from the from the atmosphere which we need and that software will will uh, kind of give calculations on which tree you know like how how well they do this so they might find you know that they're I don't know, maybe they want to replace it with different trees that that store the carbon better or but these are all inf information that they'll have at the like at the tip of their fingers so they will be able to i think you know make the tree canopy thrive um the other thing is they didn't want really want to keep this information to themselves they wanted to share it with the with the residents with the community so they're going to put this information on a kind of online GIS map. There's a, another piece of software that we got through this grant called Story Map. <clears throat> and it takes, it allows, um, I guess, cities to map what's going on in communities and, and share it with the residents. So all this information about the trees will be online. So if anybody wants to go on and they wanna know about like what trees are in their neighborhood, um, like down to the tree, they'll be able to get that information and know about this particular tree and like what it's called and what kind of care it usually needs. So that's all kind of educating the community to really, I think, value value the trees in their neighborhood and know more about them. Um, the other part of the project was, um, so they were gonna plant uh, 450 trees in the community, both on public land, public city land, and then on private residence lands for private residents who wanted to do that. So it's really like another way for them to build connections with the residents to help them, you know, care about trees, the trees on their property. So um, they'll get to go through that process of like learning about what this tree is and go through the process of planting it. And then the city will come out and kind of make sure the tree is doing well and offer advice. So it's really all this knowledge, you know, is, is going to be dispersed among the community to educate the community. So the whole community is going to have hopefully more knowledge of these trees in their neighborhoods and more investment in, in the tree canopy. Um, and they're also, again, as I mentioned earlier, doing training of staff to get more uh, a specialized like arborists certification so that, uh, you know, um, the staff is well equipped to, to make good decisions and choices about the tree canopy. So, um, those are other things. And we can, we can talk about like also the health, health issues if you want um 
about like the health issues going on in Pittsburgh and how the trees might might like more trees might impact that? Sure, I, we'd love to hear about that. I, I mean, just hearing first of all about the the software and the involvement that the city is is having in this tree planting, this tree care, and learning a little bit more. Um, it, I can see why the government chose to give the city the funding to be able to implement this project. It sounds like a, a great project. So how, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the, the health, how it's gonna help uh, the health issues in Pittsburgh as well. Well, I know that we we were gonna talk a little bit about kind of how the, the grant works with underserved communities. Um, and for this particular grant, you know, um, we didn't have a specific area of the city that we were gonna drill down on basically because that was part of the problem that the city doesn't have enough information to really drill down to different neighborhood levels. So um, so we didn't specify neighborhoods, but that was part of like the, the problem that we were trying to solve. So it wasn't just because we were lazy and didn't wanna, <laughs> didn't wanna drill down. Um, so the how we made the case about how it was underserved, um, well, one, you know, we're trying to show that, that this is a community and neighborhood that, that, you know, doesn't have equity with its neighbors. So we knew that there was some neighboring cities, wealthier cities, that they all had this tree software. I mean, this was how they did business and the city of Pittsburgh didn't. So one, that's a contrast showing, okay, these wealthier neighborhoods have this tool and, and the city of Pittsburgh doesn't. And as it would have it, um, in you know, in contrast to these wealthier neighborhoods, we found the city of Pittsburgh have had a higher um, pollution burden. So they were in the top like twenty five percent of the the state in terms of the pollution burden burden, which is probably largely because they're an industrial area, and that's something you're going to see in a lot of, I'd say, working class communities or uh, lower income communities is that they do tend to be more industrial than than wealthier neighborhoods. So there's going to be more pollutants typically. And one of the things about trees is that they absorb pollutants. So by so then we're kind of showing that the city is they have this lack of equity. You know, they they probably don't have they don't have as many trees as their neighboring cities and they really need it because they're the ones who are having kind of industrial more industrial pollutants that they really need to take care of um, for the health of the citizens. And we we know that this is impacting the health of the citizens because we were able to find some data to show that um, city of Pittsburgh is in the 98th percentile in terms of its asthma rates, which meant, you know, this is in the top 2% of, of residents with asthma. And these these things are, are, are typically can be linked. You know, there's higher pollution, there's more asthma. So the trees mm -hmm. are really important to get in there and manage properly to deal with, you know, to deal with respiratory conditions um, so that they can do their job of, of absorbing pollutants. So that was um, kind of something that we hope for the long term that the city's, you know, that this tree project will have for the all the residents of the city. Yeah, I, I hope so. I know my uncle, he struggles with really bad asthma and he lives in the desert. So that's not very helpful. I know he'd be, he'd do good with some better air quality. Uh, so that's really great. That's really, really good to know. Um, I hope the city of Pittsburgh, you know, they take off, they go in a, a more positive direction from this grant. So 
another question. I'm sure it was it was not an easy application to write, and our listeners would love to know any tips, any advice that you have for one aspiring grant writers in general, and especially those who are targeting projects such as this urban and community forestry grant project. Well, I think what I can I can talk more generally about it. So for me, like the devils in the details. I think there are a lot of people that are talking about, you know, uh, chat GPT, which is this new artificial intelligence platform. And they're saying that uh, grant writers are going to be replaced by artificial intelligence. And I don't I don't think that's going to happen because um, grants are um, typically, you know, all about specificity and telling a very specific story and chat GPT and that kind of artificial intelligence is typically around gathering common knowledge and making it sound good, which is, which is fine. But I think for me as a grant writer, I want to find the insights that are not commonly known. So that's why, you know, I talk to the clients and I'm, you know, really trying to kind of pull out from them. Like, what are the insights that they've been thinking of that they might not have told anybody that, that everybody wouldn't know because they're the ones who are um, on the trenches. So we're in the trenches. Um, so I'm trying, what I kind of want to do is in a way like present the grant as a little bit of like a TED talk. <laughs> I mean, as much as I can, where like they're gonna present their insight that nobody else has heard before, specifically about this um, particular community. And so that's how I want to, that's what I'm trying to find. So that we're letting the funder, we feel like the funder feels like this is like a really important new insight about how to do community work that they haven't heard before. Um, so, so finding that specificity is really important. Um, on the other hand, when you're writing the grant, you don't wanna get lost in the weeds. And I think that's why grant writers are really important and helpful. Because I found when you're you're working the job yourself, you can get really lost in in the details. In terms of when you try to write about it, you're making all these assumptions about what somebody else understands because you and everybody you know that you work with understands, but like a reader might not understand. So as a grant writer, I think our role is to really distill what's most important about this story and this proposal, and tell it really simply. So tell it in like really simple language. You know, when you go to college and you go to grad school, like I did, they often train you to write in ways that like are really obtuse and to use really big words and multiple big words. Um, and my role as a grant writer, and I think the role of the grant is not to like impress the reader that you're so smart, it's to educate the reader. So I try to write like a, like a journalist. I think journalists, you're supposed to write at like a fifth grade level. So I really try to, to write as simply as I can. So to make sure the most important thing is that they understand what's what's going on. Cause you you just, when you're in the middle of it you just assume everybody understands your, your job and what you do and they often don't. So to write very simply, um, I was also a grant maker. That's why I kind of understand that sometimes the people who read these grants they might be bringing in Kind of community members who don't are not technical they don't work for a city but there are people who might be impacted by this kind of a thing so they bring them in but they don't you know they don't have a background in these technical terms so i try to use 
to not use that much technical language. And if I do, I try to explain it. Um, and so that's why, again, I, I would advise people to, to talk really simply because if, and to explain things in a way which is like flows and it's like a story where, okay, first this happened, then that happened, um, then the third thing happened. And so that makes sense as like a sequential story because if a reviewer, even if they're technical, even if they understand a lot, they read a lot of these grant applications, they get tired. When they get tired, they don't take in information well. And then when they don't take in information well, they get confused. And when they get confused, they score an application less. So the goal is to make it a pleasurable read where they're not confused. So um, I would say write, write simply if you can. Okay, that's, that's pretty good advice. Good to know. Thank you, Karen. Um, Finally, how do you see this grant impacting? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. We already did that question. Um, lastly, are there any upcoming projects or grants that you're currently working on and you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, like right now, most of the grants I'm working on are also related to the environment and to the outdoors. Um, one of the big grant that a lot of cities are working on is from the California Parks Department. It's called Outdoor Equity. And it's a really cool grant because it's a it's um, really trying to bring environmental experiences and outdoor experiences to disadvantaged youth and disadvantaged families. So, um, you know, it, it's they. It, I think it's a really good grant because um, the Parks Department is really trying to address both what's going on in these communities in the short term and in the midterm and in the long term. So in the short term, they really want to just expose um, communities who might not have access to, might not have transportation or know how to camp, or might not, you know, get education about what's going on in their natural environment. They just want to have that exposure. Um, and they also want to support, you know, communities to go to state parks. So that's part of the ground is that at least once, you know, go to a state park. Um, so they want people to develop, um, I think, an investment in their the, the nature in their community and, the and you know, in, in the beautiful nature of the state parks. Um, and then midterm, they really want uh, cities to, to bring on interns, so young adult interns um, who will take, you know, responsibility for part of, you know, the activities. And I think they really want to train kind of young people to take leadership, um, to prepare them to be like the next generation of environmental leaders or to be civic leaders or just to care about these issues. Um, so that's a, a really interesting part of this grant. And then they want, you know, they want the cities to be mentoring the youth who go through the program afterwards. So they're really thinking about this, like in this long-term way of, you know, doing this initial exposure and getting people excited about it and getting them to invest in the value of nature and then training them for leadership. Um, so it's really cool. I think it's, it's a really cool grant that the park system puts out. Yeah. You said outdoor equity, right? Outdoor equity. Outdoor Equity from Cal Parks. Uh, you guys heard it from, from Karen L. That's the next one to look forward to. So thank you so much, Karen, for all your time, all your fantastic words about the community, uh, urban and community forestry, forestry grant. We really appreciate it. Any last words before we sign off? I mean, I think there's just, there's a lot of exciting grants out there. And I will say that I have friends who live in Europe and they are not very, uh, they don't, they don't have faith in their governments as a government to, to support the growth of the, of the cities. And so I'm really happy because I'm, I do really support and I'm really excited about the kinds of grants that I see coming out of the government 
And I think they're really smart um, and they're trying to, to move, you know, communities forward. And so I, you know, I don't take that for granted because there are apparently some places in the world where there just, there isn't that land. The government doesn't support that kind of smart development and growth. So I guess that's the final word to, I'm just glad that there are grants out there <laughs> that we can help our, our clients get. Yes, agreed. Thank you. Uh, we are so lucky to have you, Karen, uh, on our California consulting team. Uh, for everyone who's listening out there, Karen L., Karen Leventhal, she is a fantastic grant writer. You see her names, um, her name attached to almost every other award that cities are getting. So you you hear her passion, you hear all that she's doing to help the community and know that she's getting the awards. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. Uh, we really appreciate it. Till the next time, I'm sure you'll get the next award in the coming weeks. So fingers thank crossed. you so much. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, listeners. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the California Consulting Podcast. The stories we've shared today are a testament to our team's dedication to make a tangible difference across California. With an unparalleled track record in securing grants for various critical projects, we at California Consulting are dedicated to transforming potential into success. Whether it's for affluent neighborhoods or underserved communities, our mission is to bridge gaps and create opportunities. Stay updated with our latest achievements by following us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Follow our newsletter and visit our website. Remember, for turning your visionary projects into funded realities, California Consulting is your go-to partner. Until next time, we encourage you to keep pushing boundaries and innovating for the betterment of your communities.